0: For decades, a trip to Istanbul to face Galatasaray in European competition has been seen as a stiff challenge, the archetypal tough place to go. In three visits, Manchester United have never won. They've never even scored. It's a challenge that United might have to finally conquer on Wednesday to keep their Champions League dream alive. But although they're winning games in the Premier League, are their performance levels high enough to get the job done? I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. No challenge is too big for my top-tipping team, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark, United have won... Four Premier League away games on the spin, but in the Champions League, they've lost in Munich, they've lost in Copenhagen and Galatasaray beat them at Old Trafford. So it's not a great picture.
1: No, it's not. Um, although the stats will tell you United are the the form side in the Premier League at the minute over the last six games, winning five of them, only losing against Manchester City. But um yeah, how convinced are we by this by this recent run of results? Um, how convincing was Sunday's win against Everton, and not just that game against Everton? You could go back to the Luton match, or even further, really. And for me, the jury is still absolutely out on on Manchester United, and i was definitely not a, a, a trusting phase with them. There were positives, of course, at the weekend. Gonacho's goal was absolutely exceptional, goal of the season, possibly, probably. Um, and then the youngster Kobe Mainu came in and, and played terrifically well, beyond his age. He was really, brilliant he was
0: absolutely amazing for an 18 year old to do that on his first Premier League start was wildly good
1: yeah incredible first impression um he brought a freshness to that midfield too which I think has been lacking for a while and interestingly too I I read that it was the first time since actually taking charge of Man United that Ten Hag had started two teenagers in in a Premier League match so perhaps that is the way forward who knows really but um for a large part it, it worked but um you know it did look like a banana skin game from the outset um i was heavily sort of involved in everton but um you know scoring that goal after 133 seconds just completely changes the complexion of that fixture and um it wasn't like united dominated either if you if you look at the underlying metrics everton were very wasteful and Arna between the sticks made a number of saves united still allowed 14 shots in the box conceded three big chances now against manchester city united had 16 touches in the penalty area Against Everton on Sunday, they only had 17. Um, It just kind of goes to show how sometimes the result can often kind of paint a different picture. And, you know, winning without playing well. In the the second part of the first half, Mark, Everton
0: absolutely battered United. Calvert-Lewin and gave uh, Lindelof and Maguire an awful chasing towards the end of that first half. Just couldn't make that chance count. And that's been a problem for Everton all season. But United can't keep getting away with it, can they?
1: no and i think that's that was coming on to my point really is that the cliche is you know if you're winning without playing well it's often associated with with champion teams and, and good teams really but i think with united and, and more kind of widespread it's for me just an, an element of caution really because you can't keep getting away with it as you say and the trip to galatasaray is very tricky um as you mentioned it's the only european venue they've played at multiple times without scoring or winning um it's also of any of the english teams have traditionally toiled in as well i think only two english teams have have gone to Istanbul and beaten Galatasaray there in eight attempts in the Champions League so anyone who saw the reverse game at Old Trafford anyone who saw Bayern Munich's visit to Istanbul earlier on in the campaign will testify that United as favourites does make you feel a bit queasy Uh, and therefore I'm going to have to back Galatasaray with a quarter goal start here at uh, close to 1.8 they did run out of steam a little bit in the final half hour against Bayern Munich but um, across the first 60 minutes they were great fun Um, they put Bayern under serious stress Um, they were a little bit wasteful themselves but um, if they can keep the composure there's something in this match for Galatasaray. Um, I'm not their biggest fans. I've said that from the outset this season. I, I don't think they're possibly as good as perhaps some of the names um, club together sort of seem to su- suggest they are. But I think at home in this type of environment, they definitely can get something out of the game. United have been far better away from Old Trafford this season, it must be said. Um... But uh, yeah, they were very good in fairness against Copenhagen uh, until Rashford's red card too. But uh, this is a step up in class. And um, yeah, they're not for my liking as favourites away in Istanbul. So happy to oppose them.
0: Big bad Boise back in the building. Betfair's Alex Boys, part of the team once again. Alex, as Mark says, Galatasaray stopped with attacking talent and United couldn't contain them at Old Trafford, even though they were in a good position at one stage, but they just make so many errors.
2: Yeah, and I can only really echo everything that Mark said there in terms of not really trusting them as a punter, despite their form. You know, they're in that Premier League great form. They've won six of nine in all competitions, but they could have quite easily lost yesterday, you know, if it wasn't for the moment of brilliance from Garnacho. So, you know, they still were outshots. Everton had 20, I think it was 24 shots to nine. They had a higher XG, despite Man United having a penalty in there, of course. So, and if you actually go back through Manchester United's most recent wins, Luton, probably a fair result despite it just being 1-0, but then Fulham they were outshot, lower expected goals Copenhagen at home, they were outshot, lower expected goals they beat Sheffield United, they also had a lower XG than the Blades that day and against Brentford they needed two stoppage time goals to turn a defeat into a win so yes, football is much more than that as a punter, it's data like that that you want to take them on whenever you can really you know those sides we've mentioned above aren't the most difficult of games let's be clear so i think all of their wins have been against teams in the bottom half right in the premier yeah. league right and and obviously they've lost both away games in the champions league as well four three Obviously one was at munich but one was at copenhagen who we all consider kind of the lesser team of the group so this is gonna be a real test of their character in turkey mike mentioned the record of all english sides there never mind just Manchester United and I don't think this side has proven or shown enough character to handle these occasions you know uh, not for 90 minutes at least so they did win 4 at the weekend at home all three of their forwards scored Zaha Icardi Dries Merton so I think that bodes well for us coming into this so um, yes I'm going to the bet builder cave for this one Kev um, and I'm actually going to put up a bet that I, that I backed at Old Trafford in this fixture which landed so bear with me hard to score or assist. He's got four goals in four games. He's in actually in really good form. Honestly, he scored at Old Trafford. I'm always a fan of the, the man coming back to haunt his former club. Um, to the fouls market, Lucas Torreira and the right-back, Sasha Bowie, I think is how he pronounces his, his name, um, just to commit a foul each. They both did that at Old Trafford. They committed two, two each, actually, and they, they average over a foul per night this season. Bruno Fernandes to have a shot on target. Um, you know He passed the ball to Rashford on Sunday and you know, I don't think Rashford was too pleased about that. So Bruno, even though he scored, Bruno might take the, the pens back if they do indeed get one. But he does average over a shot on target per game. And then finally, the booster is Diogo Dalot to be carded. So he was up against Zahar at Old Trafford, of course. Um, he fouled him four times in that game and was booked for a pretty bad one on him, actually. Um, during his time in, in the Premier League, Zaha was always kind of topping the list for fouls won for, for yeah. all players. So it's no surprise that he'll draw plenty of attention again here. Will Dalla go in with him? Will he stand off him? He'll probably try nipping at one point. And Zaha is the genius at winning free kicks. So like I say, that, that bet did land at Old Trafford. And I was going back through it. And I just really liked all the individual legs again. So I put them back together and couldn't get a full price just yet on on this one. But that, that winner was 29 to 1 at Old Trafford. So i looking for something similar. Tremendous stuff. Always worth keeping an eye
0: on big bad Boise's bet builder. Finally, odds compiler and master of the sustainable edge. Mark Stinch come on the panel. Stinch, it is a really difficult one, isn't it? Because United, if you look at their path this season, all the teams you'd expect them to beat, they're beating. But all the teams that are on their level or better, they're losing to. That seems to be the pattern so far.
3: I mean, this, uh, well, firstly, there's no way I can compete with a 29 to 1.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, if anyone can, you can.
3: <laughs> Better, I've not got anything like that in my in my back pocket, back so pockets, this might be a bit boring. But I, I can't, it's really weird to hear this Man United in good form, Man United only X amount of points off the top of the league, like... They're, they're, they're shocking. They, we're not yet in December and they've already lost nine games this season. Like the league table is massively papering over these cracks or the form table. I mean, last season, it took until the end of April for them to lose nine games. And then you lost 12 in the whole season. They're definitely going to better that record. Um, His
0: injury is a big part of it, Stinch, because it seems like every two seconds there's a new player injured. Mason Mount's out now. Casemiro's already out.
3: Yeah, I mean it plays a part, but come on, we know their process is is nick so good. It's 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 not great, <laughs> is it at all? Um,
0: Flipping a bit I of salmon in there, I'll all, always want that.
3: I mean. Um, uh, yesterday ten hag watching the game in the in the stands and they were saying oh maybe you should do that like every week kind of thing it's like they're just they're just so reactive rather than uh, than proactive and we know their transfer business is is not good i mean look what we in 2023 it's 10 years since alex ferguson left and uh, every, i haven't seen one one even a small ounce of, of, of general improvement. When they do well, it's down to individual brilliance. It's not as a, as a collective. So, yeah, very easy to to oppose uh, United here uh, as, as favourites, as the as the lads have said. And also, yeah, and you, as you say, you throw on top the fact that Casemiro's injured, Ericsson's injured, uh, Lissandro Martinez is injured, Rashford is suspended. I know he's obviously not in the best form but he's still obviously uh, a fantastic player on his day. Um, I'm not sure on the status of Rasmus Holland, but obviously he missed a game against Everton. So My suspicion
0: is he was kept out of that for this game. I think they didn't want to risk him at all. He was touch and go. I mean, we'll see what happens, I guess, but he was touch and go for this one. But my suspicion is they were keeping him for this. I'd be surprised if he doesn't play.
3: That's that's fair enough, but I think I always think that a returning player is never going to be at peak level anyway, so that doesn't really um, that doesn't really have too much weight uh, behind. But I think also like on the flip side, I don't think Galatasaray have got any absences of note. Um, and as Boise mentioned uh, fresh off the back of a 4-0 win on Saturday so an extra day's recovery and I think we're seeing particularly in the Premier League how much um, the extra minutes are taking their toll in terms of you know some of the injury lists that clubs are getting just seem unheard of to me considering we're in the, the modern era with all the, the data science um, and all these uh, experts that football clubs employ in order to have players at their freshest levels so yeah, I think Galatasaray are in a better position in, in that respect as well. So, yeah, Galatasaray plus a quarter, very, very easy bet. Um, and other than Bayern Munich, who obviously we mentioned, they absolutely battered. You have to go back to August last season for the last time they lost at home in the in the league or the Champions League. You know, it's a run of 29 games. And when, you know, you look at United in the Champions League this season, not the most difficult of groups They've conceded the sixth most shots across all teams, uh, over 16 per game. And You know, if Galatasaray repeat the similar effort to as they did at home to Bayern, when they fired in 20 shots, they created seven big chances. You know, this this could be this could be United's tenth defeat of the season, and all we all are asking for is them to actually avoid defeat. So yeah, just keep opposing United, especially when they're faves. Um, don't 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 read anything into their results because yeah, I don't think long term they are conducive the way they're playing to to get in those regular wins.
0: And yeah, keep that sustainable edge going. Now we know that injury time goals can ruin your bets. And now you've got 90 minute payouts to dig you out of trouble. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus be gamble Injury hit Newcastle fighting to keep their Champions League dream alive as they go to France to take on Paris Saint-Germain. Alex Newcastle were looking good after thrashing PSG at St. James's park, but back-to-back defeats against Borussia Dortmund didn't play particularly well in either of those games. And all of a sudden in a very tight group, they're in big trouble.
2: Yeah. So I remember the night they played this the reverse fixture. And I think I was at Leeds QPR that night, the more glamorous tie, of course, I'm sure Mark O'Hare will agree. Um, but I remember checking the odds just before kickoff and saw Newcastle were shortening and shortening and I think they went off around 5-4, to 11-8 and PSG were 2-1-ish were and I remember thinking what, what am I missing here? I'm shocked at that price like I know St James' Park is a fortress and there's always question marks of a PSG kind of defensive structure maybe but anyway when, when, when these big teams have so many match winners in them I'm, when, when they hit a certain price I just always want to back them because it can just come down to individual moments with Mbappe on the pitch for example so Kind of the fact that Newcastle then two nil after forty minutes is why it's fine just to trust the market sometimes and not listen to your to your gut. But well, I suspect
0: it was the lineup because they looked at the lineup, how attacking it was, the fact it had no midfield, yeah. and everybody went, "What's Luis Enrique doing? Let's get on that." So yeah, I no, get I, that, I, I get it. Like I say, do it.
2: absolutely. It's just these. When you have these world class players, you just Kent Bappe could win the game on his own. Sometimes it doesn't really matter what else, but. Just an easy way to look at it sometimes, but obviously it didn't pay off. But now we've got the opposite, really. PSG kind of odds on Newcastle were around nine to two when I looked last night. And they have at the bottom of the group now. And essentially, if they lose, regardless of what happens in Milan, I don't think they'll be able to catch two sides if they get beat, regardless of yeah. the results. So the they basically they have to get something. So it might open this game up a little bit more than potentially anyhow would have liked to have if, if he didn't need to get something. You know, PSG games tend to be open anyway, especially at home. You know, the home matches average just under four goals a game. They beat Monaco 5-2 at the weekend. So I'll be trying for goals. And and I've I've no doubt Newcastle themselves will be presented with a few chances. And I think we're fairly confident that PSG can do the same for their star men. So I was delighted to see that Alexander Isak was back at the weekend, straight back in with a goal for Newcastle. You know, he hasn't scored in the Champions League yet, but he's got seven and nine in the Premier League now, you know, and another in the Cup. And I don't think anyone's going to, of dispute the talent this guy's got. I think we're all big, big fans of of Alexander Isaac. So he's 13 to five to score any time, probably slightly elevated price because he's away in Paris. And I wanted to get on that, but I do fancy PSG to to come out and win this game, all in all. So of course for the bet builders, you know, Isaac to score in a home win gives us a gives us odds of seven to one. And I'm just also just gonna add in a Karen Trippier to commit one plus foul up against Mbappé, or if they switch Dembele over, Colin Mouane might have a bit of time on the left if they throw Mbappé through the middle. You know, he, Trippi has committed a foul in each Champions League game and he's on four yellow cards in the Premier League this season. He only got five all last season. So I don't know if something's changed in his mentality or what he's been asked to do, but yeah, he seems to be slightly more aggressive. Um, so I'm fairly confident in Trippier adding another foul here and and that takes the final odds up to 11-1. to Stinch commented on both
0: of Paris' home games in the Champions League so far this season. And I thought they played with real control against both Dortmund and Milan. And that's looked like the best of PSG under Luis Enrique so far because they've been able to keep possession, which is what Luis Enrique always wants to do, and slowly but surely break teams down. The game at St. James's Park was the total opposite of that. No control, really didn't set his team up to have any chance, really. They were absolutely shredded by the press. I just can't see that pattern being replicated in Paris. You'd think he'll be looking to keep possession and kind of nullify that Newcastle press if he can.
3: Yeah, I mean, one overriding facet I've noticed of Lewis <clears throat> Enrique's PSG this season is the the high amount of possession they've been having, um, over seventy percent in Liga, and so definitely feels that that's the way he he wants to go. But I felt like in the the away game at Newcastle, I think he was a bit maybe naive and thought, well, we're PSG, we've we've got we've got players like Mbappe in our armory we'll play we'll play all our star players and and we'll beat you in that way I don't think he maybe gave the 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 game or the opposition or even the 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 away ground uh the respect that perhaps he should have so I don't think he will make the same mistake in the reverse game and I think in this game rather and I think they'll play with a with a much more balanced system um I think I mean I've got PSG down here to at one point seven to to win. It's not the it's not the most attractive price, um, but I, I think Newcastle's injury list is 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 getting to the stage now where I know they they obviously put four past Chelsea, uh, but Chelsea were abysmal and, and gifted them uh, yeah. uh, at least two of the goals. Um, but I,
0: said it was their worst display of the season, didn't he?
3: Yeah. Um I just I think I just think there's a, there's so much volatility though with the with the Premier League. The the increase in the in the cards, the increase in the minutes. I think what we're seeing is stuff is is stuff that we're not necessarily Got anything that we can relate to in terms of previous seasons? Because it's unheard of to have you know card card averages at this level, um, injury the amount of injury time, and yeah, are there are there injuries related to all these extra minutes that the players are having to play? I'm I'm not sure, but it certainly seems the most logical uh, factor. And then in terms of this game, you know, uh, PSG have a, an extra day's rest playing on the on the Friday night. I I still. I mean, obviously, I was going to say I still don't know why, but obviously the reason the Premier League don't have the Friday night game as a as a rule to help the teams out in Europe, I assume, is because of the TV money and the TV rights. But you know, I don't know if if they want if they want the Premier League teams to do well in Europe, they should give them the best opportunity. So they should give more teams a game on on the Friday night. But yeah, I just think with the quick turnaround from Saturday night for Newcastle, or well, Saturday afternoon for Newcastle to Tuesday night. And the fact that Wilson, Barnes, Tenali, Botman, Byrne are all missing from the first 11. And that's before you delve deeper into the reserve players that are unavailable as well. I mean, look at their bench on Saturday. It was Matt Ritchie, Dummett... Uh, A. Murphy, Diallo, Undewaini, Parkinson, and then they filled the rest of the bench with three goalkeepers. Um, so I think when you look at PSG's bench against Monaco, Mouani, Asensio, uh, Lee Kangin, uh, Bradley Barcola, Carlos Soler, I think ultimately it could be one off the bench. Um, and the fact that PSG are scoring goals are fun at the moment. They scored three or more goals in seven of the last eight games. When you combine that with the fact that Newcastle conceded the fifth most shots in the Champions League over 16 per game, I think it could get a little bit ugly. So rather than do anything complicated like back PSG minus uh, minus three quarters or minus one or PSG to win and and overs or anything like that, just think it's very easy to back PSG here at 1.7.
0: Yeah, Mark, it's got to the stage, hasn't it, with Newcastle, where they're playing a small child in midfield. A very good one who set up a goal at the weekend, but that's the kind of level they're at, where they're having to really dig deep into that squad. And even a full Newcastle squad would have their hands full with this Paris Saint-Germain team, if it plays as well as it can play. Although Paris have lost one of their most influential players in Warren Zaire Emery.
1: Yeah, um, I agree with almost everything the guys have already said and yourself, Kev. um, You know, we've kind of covered the the reverse game sufficiently i think but um you know in paris that's where psg do tend to to come to the party traditionally they tended to be very strong operators in the champions league in paris if you look at their only champions league defeats at home since returning to this competition in 2013 i think they've come against bayern real madrid man city and man united on barcelona as well so i think it's fair to say newcastle aren't quite yet at that standard um obviously the united win was a bit of a surprise back in at that particular moment but um yeah whilst you were doing a, a wonderful job commentating on the bundesliga on friday night um i saw the the opening of that fixture. i was putting most of my focus on the, the psg monaco match um and look, they gave monaco opportunities in that match it certainly wasn't as clear-cut as the final score suggested but you just got the impression that they're operating in sort of third fourth gear stepping up when they needed to and the extra quality they have in those personnel um does tell in those kind of fixtures when things escalate. And I think from a Newcastle perspective, unfortunately for them, the way in which the group is and the fact we've only got two games left is to their detriment, really, Um, because what if um, they're two adrift of PSG and three adrift of Dortmund uh, with an inferior head-to-head record against Dortmund, so we're kind of approaching must-win territory from a a Newcastle perspective here. Um, They can't really afford to play for a point. And if you look at Eddie Howe's system his approach to big matches especially away from st james's park it tends to be pragmatism uh the results against the top seven away from home last season nil two nil 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 one two nil 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 three this season they've already lost one 0 at city three one at brighton and produced two no shows i would say at milan and dortmund as well so yeah. they need something different they need something better Without Willock at the weekend, you know, that midfield does look incredibly bare, as Stinch said, three goalkeepers on the bench. Um, It doesn't look good when it all kind of comes together and we need to see something a bit different from Newcastle going forward. And if they do start to play a bit more front foot, um, it could quite easily be curtains because that PSG team will absolutely relish the extra space going forward. So, um, yeah, I'm quite happy to be pro PSG in this particular fixture as the guys have. Just as well on Newcastle, I didn't mention their away record this season across all competitions. Just two wins, three draws and four defeats. The losses, City, Brighton, Dortmund, Bournemouth. The wins, Sheffield United and Man United in the League Cup. Um, incredibly underwhelming in the Champions League as well. So I'm very pro PSG here. Um, hopefully not going to get burnt the same way we, as we did in the reverse game, but I'll be a bit more bold and stench uh, by adding over one and a half goals to get us to, to 10 to 11, just because I think the, the lay of the land in this group and the way Newcastle are, are right now, You can't just go to Parc de Prance and expect to try and grind out a nil-nil. You have to play front foot and try and get something more than just a point here. So um, I'm expecting a few goals here too, for sure. Maybe Eddie Howell dig in for
0: 70 minutes and then bring on three goalkeepers at once to play them up front, just to catch Luis Enrique off guard. Elsewhere in that group, Milan take on Dortmund. Stinch, both teams picked up wins at the weekend. I still think Dortmund are very, very vulnerable. I'm still not totally sold on Milan either.
3: Yeah, you wouldn't want to be back in either team to win. I don't think Milan 2.1, Dortmund 3.85, but obviously Dortmund actually top of the group. <clears throat> so they might play it in a manner of, well, we'll be happy with a point and, and move on kind of thing. Um, uh, if only they could. <laughs> 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 they'd love they'd love to be able to do that. I'm not
0: sure they actually can.
3: I mean, we saw them away at PSG. They didn't start playing until they were 2-0 down. Um nice. And as I say, they don't. With having lost Bellingham, they they lack the sort of X factor in in my mind. Some someone that can do produce a moment of individual quality. And same goes for Milan, really, because I think they're going to be without Rafael Le- Leal here as well. And yeah, obviously we discussed him before, but a massive, massive miss for, for any team, but in particular Milan. Uh, 20 goals and 14 assists since the beginning of, of last season. And you look at the games, he's he's not started since that period. Milan have scored just 15 goals in 15 games. If you take out games versus the likes of Mon- Monza and Cagliari, it's just eight goals in 13 games. So yeah i'm gonna go for um for a tight and cagey game to be honest i mean we saw kind of similar actually i would Say to the game that Milan played on Saturday against Fiorentina, um, it took a penalty. The only the only goal in the game from from Teo Hernandez to to split them. And I could see something similar here. I mean, it's kind of crazy that Dortmund are top considering they've only scored three goals in four games. Yeah. Um, but you look at Dortmund's games as well in in the Champions League, they've all been fairly cagey score lines: two nil, one nil, nil nil, two nil. And uh, you know both teams sit in the top seven in the Champions League for fewest possession, uh, just forty-one percent and forty-four percent respectively. So in that mind, that shows me that neither of them seemingly want to be proactive. So considering under two and a half goals is the outsider here at nineteen to twenty. I think that's that's the bet here. Uh, I think it's worth just quickly touching upon the fact that over two and a half goals in every single Champions League game is fave. I can't. I don't think that can be. Sh- can be right surely there must be some value in in unders elsewhere you mean look at Lons their four games have seen only eight goals Union Berlin games have only seen nine goals Sociedad into Salzburg and Benfica that group just nine seven eight eight goals respectively um, and then this group Newcastle just eight goals Dortmund five goals Milan six goals so I definitely encourage people I know it's not the <laughs> it's not an attractive bet to watch but I definitely maybe <laughs> encourage people to have a look at how some other games this week, and uh, yeah, I think there must be some some value elsewhere in terms of backing unders.
0: Is it because the market thinks teams have got to go for it because they need wins? Things like that might make a bit of chaos.
3: I mean, there's that. There's also like most people will back naturally back over, so overs will always artificially um, be be shorter as a sort of general rule. So there might be a bit more, bit of change come come kickoff, but yeah, I th- mainly the the reason is uh yeah. A huge percent of people prefer to back something to happen, like goals, for example, rather than, as I say, sit and watch a match and have to cheer on unders. It's just just not a natural thing to do.
0: No, it can be a a grim experience, but it can also be a very profitable one uh, if you've chosen the right game. Lazio still in the mix for reaching the last 16. They're a bit hit and miss this season. They're up against a Celtic team that has found this level uh, a bit too exacting so far. Mark, you never quite know what you're going to get with Maurizio Sarri's Lazio, but Celtic haven't been up to the standard, have they really?
1: No, they have not, and um happy to oppose them uh, away against Lazio. Um, traditionally, it's been one of the, the better kind of bank builders in, in the European game over the last decade or two. Um, so quite happy to sort of reinvest in that approach here, even if Lazio haven't been at the same sort of standards they set last year. Um, if they were to win here, it puts them in a, a fantastic position to qualify ahead of match day six. And I thought they were quite impressive, actually, when beating Feyenoord uh, in a, a basically a must-win fixture. At the Olympico early on in the campaign, they held Atletico, of course, to a point with that famous goalkeeping goal in the final minutes but um yeah they should be more than capable of of dispatching celtic um the the numbers for celtic are quite registered really um winless in 14 champions league matches losing 11 of them they've lost the last four away in this competition by an aggregate of 16-2 they've actually lost 32 of the last 38 away in the champions league and we've talked about it before but brendan rogers in this competition he's now won just once and lost 14 of his last 21 matches as manager in the Champions League. So not very pretty. Uh, at the weekend, yeah. they stumbled at home to Motherwell. Uh, not ideal preparation. And look, whilst Lazio were losing away to Salernitana, it's not exactly a, a great preparation <laughs> either. They are a much more reliable beast at the Olympico, And I just feel Lazio do have the ability to turn it on when required um they have had a, a turbulent campaign there's talk that they might even have to enter a, a retreat uh before or after this match to try and right the the wrongs of the season so far it's quite a, uh, the a common old Rattiro, thing that's an Italian <laughs> yeah. tradition isn't it
0: pack them all off to the hotel <laughs> don't let them yeah. go anywhere
1: <laughs> yeah so um whether that will happen before or after I'm not sure but there's a suggestion it will happen at some point so but yeah you look at the games that they've already beaten Napoli Fiorentina Atalanta for example this season as I mentioned that final match as well um, And um, Celtic actually without uh, Maeda, Abada and Hattate coming into this match too. So uh, whilst Romagnoli is missing for Lazio, that kind of cancels out the the loss and departure of him. So um, to sort of boost the price up, really, because Lazio are already fairly short-priced favourites to win this fixture, I'm going to include Chiro Immobile to score. So the Lazio win and Immobile to score double comes in at six to four. Now Lazio are in for at least two goals in this match, according to the market. Uh, Immobile's got a very good record in the Champions League, six in nine for Lazio, averaging a goal every 116 minutes. He's had a, an injury-disrupted campaign, but he scored against Feyenoord, a well-taken goal, scored from the spot at the weekend as well. And he does remain Lazio's biggest and kind of most obvious goal threat, really. So um, if Lazio are going to score two, three goals in this fixture, be surprised if Immobile doesn't get on the score sheet. So um, six to four shot for the uh, Lazio win and Immobile to score.
0: Platio do end up in Retiro at some kind of hotel somewhere. You know, Maurizio Sarri is going to be sneaking off for a fag every two seconds. Uh, Stinch, this does look like a home win, doesn't it? Celtic found it really, really difficult. And as Mark says, it's not just this season. You look at Celtic away from home in Europe in the last few years, they get pummeled on a regular basis, don't they?
3: Yeah, even in the the qualifiers. I mean, they haven't, I think before last season, you have to go back... Sort of five, six years before they played in the the last played in the group stages because of their difficulties in the qualifiers. So, yeah, I mean, my my main approach here is to oppose Celtic. Um, the same, the same method, really. Um, they, I mean, you just look at them in, in recent times in Champions League across home and away. They conceded twenty eight goals in their ten games, and if you take out the two matches against Shakhtar, it's twenty six goals in in eight games. So, you know, you're looking at over three a game, and uh, it, it could be, it could be quite ugly. Um, you know, as they they failed to be Motherwell on Saturday when when one to seven, and they've also failed a few other times. The season at short prices: uh, four to nine, one to sixteen, one to three. So, I think Celtic aren't in their, their best position uh, right now um, this season. Um, have uh, not been fantastic either, but have been strong defensively in the capital, and I think that could could maybe be the difference here. They've only conceded five goals in eight games at the, the Stadio Olímpico across all competitions. And in Serie A, they've got the second best expected goals uh, record at home, um, which I think is very positive when you consider um, the, the top teams in Serie A that are better than, than Lazio. And I just think with the the likes of Immobile, uh, Castellinos, Pedro, Zaccani, Felipe Anderson, Luis Alberto, uh, Daichi Kamada as well, I think they've got more than enough to outscore a Celtic that, as Mark said, are missing a few key players as well. So Lazio 1.6, how, how do we make that pay? I'm just going to back Lazio minus three quarters, uh, around about 1.75. I think, as I say, I'm, I think they'll, they will outscore. Uh, Celtic and if they do by one we'll get a half win if they do it by more than one we'll get a, get a full payout and I think Lazio's, Lazio's remaining game will be Atletico away so it'll be crucial for Lazio to, to pick up three points here
0: they've got to win the other game in the group Atletico against Feyenoord and it's a really interesting one this Alex because Feyenoord are a really dangerous team but Atletico in 2023 have been a completely changed outfit, scoring goals, winning games. All of the talk about Diego Simeone leaving the club has been wiped away. Now he's going to stay put, not surprising on his wages. Um, But this is a really intriguing game and it's one that Feyenoord needs something from.
2: Yeah, that, the kind of uh, Diego Simeone rumour mill, I feel like every few years he's set to leave. They just signs a new deal and he'll just be there forever and ever and ever. Um, That's the Thomas Muller effect.
0: Yeah, he's yeah. He's the Premier League. Oh, no. He signed a new contract.
2: <laughs> Could we really see Simeone be anywhere else apart from Athletic I, I don't think so. Um, you are right, I mean, this is a really fascinating game. Firstly, the main reason I wanted to take quick, a quick look at this game is because of um, the Feyenoord's manager, Arnie slots. So... <laughs> Leeds were actually linked with him. I always got to get my Leeds mentioned in there back when they sacked Jesse Marsh earlier this year. And I always remember taking a bit more of an interest in him at that point because I didn't know too much about him. And in that same month, back in February, they drew 4 4 in a cup game with Feyenoord and they had 50 shots in the game 50 shots, 27 on target. You know, for a little bit of context, Sheffield United have only had 31 shots on target across 13 games. This season. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what like Man City I mean, most... might have been slightly different. I no, imagine. of course. But I'm just in saying, know, in one game, 50 shots. I mean, they drew four all. I mean, it just, I don't know what cities, for example, like most shots in any game, Maybe even against like their FA Cup lower position, but it certainly isn't 50. So, anyway, so since then, I take a look at their scores. And across his whole managerial career, his sides have averaged just over 2.3 goals a game. And they're also in a current seven-game winning run at home, which they've scored 25 goals. Two of those have come in the Champions League against Celtic and Lazio. They've netted at least twice in each of those. So despite this being Diego Simeone's Atletico, I think you can see where I'm heading in in, in wanting to get on odd goals. Um, you know, they actually did score twice in Madrid as well, yeah. you know, they uh, despite losing in the end. But they outshot Atletico 17-7. to and generated nearly 2.5 XG uh, with six big, big chances. And, you know, I can't imagine Simeone's side give up that many that often. So the, the gung ho mentality that Slot has and is given to this team is really interesting. So um, it's just simple for me. We can get odds against for over one and a half odd goals. That's five to four, which I really like. And then that jumps up to four to one for over two and a half. So if we can get on both, then we'll profit even if only the first one lands. So that's the way I'm going to look at that one.
0: Barcelona up against Porto. Mark, Barcelona had a shocking performance, really, against Shakhtar Donetsk in a game that they lost one 0 And they've got to bounce back here and Porto never make it easy.
1: No. Um, Barcelona, I want to take Barcelona on here as a, as a relatively short price. Um, I don't know if you remember back in sort of mid-September time, Barcelona absolutely annihilated Antwerp and then Real Betis in the same week, 5-0 yeah. on each occasion. Um, I went on then to the podcast to back Barcelona to cover a handicap against Celta Vigo. and They won that game 3-2, but that was incredibly unconvincing the final score I did not do the game justice they were 2-0 down until the final 10 minutes and somehow scrambled a win um and they've been absolutely ordinary at best since then um in La Liga they're following eight games they've won four of them so they failed to win half the four wins were all arriving by the same one goal margins none of which have been particularly convincing whatsoever uh you know you think of the Real Sociedad game away from home where they were absolutely battered for the most part and managed to (laughs) nick a nick a win Um, But it's all been spelt out in the underlying metrics as well. So if you look at the last eight games in La Liga, Barca rank eighth in terms of XG process. Um, Now, I know injuries haven't helped, of course, but Xavi is feeling a lot of heat now from the Catalan press. Um, There doesn't seem to be an obvious kind of pattern of play. Supporters are growing frustrated by the performance levels there's talk in in Catalonia now that him he's going to try and bring back the old guard the more experienced players here to try and secure qualification but I just don't expect it to be straightforward whatsoever based on what we've seen from Barcelona now for for quite some time um they did win 1-0 in Porto but They were second best in that fixture again a running theme you know you can kind of put parallels together here between Barca and and what Manchester United have been doing so um to get the opportunity to back Porto at plus 1.25 plus one and a quarter on the Asian handicap means we basically make money unless Barca beat them by two goals or more they're obviously capable of doing so they've got the individual quality but um I've just not been impressed with them for a long time so eager to oppose them whenever possible um And I think it's worth probably reiterating that this game isn't taking place at the Camp Nou that's still being renovated. So they're playing at the Olympic Stadium and that's not going to have the same sort of fear factor for away sides as perhaps the Camp Nou used to. So Porto, know how to stick in games, be competitive, dog out points when necessary. Uh, I don't expect them to get swatted aside comfortably here. And I think obviously in a tight, low-scoring matches, there's a there's a far higher chance of big-priced outsiders sneaking something. And uh, I think Porto could easily get something out of this match. But uh, even if they were to lose by a one-goal margin, we'd still make a half-stakes profit. So, yeah, just this is much more about kind of opposing Barcelona than being with Porto.
0: Barcelona don't have Gavi, and he is hugely important for what they do when they don't have the ball. While I've got you, Mark, let's move over to the other game in that group, actually. This could be fun. Because it's Shakhtar up against Antwerp and in the reverse fixture, I seem to remember, Antwerp were in a decent position and then completely and utterly
1: collapsed. <laughs> yeah, they were two and a half at halftime and lost that game 3-2. I think it was one of the early kickoffs. So, um, yeah, it was a uh, great fun, actually. And um, I wouldn't be too surprised to see something similar play out here in terms of a, a goal-heavy game. Um, but uh, I want to be with Shakhtar, really. Yeah. Um, a few of their players have really stood out, actually. Sudakov and Rikitsky, the, the centre half, have been real highlights of their campaign. And they're going to take a front foot approach here, absolutely. Uh, they'll be backed by the, the Hamburg crowd. They've been getting really decent support in Germany for their home fixtures, uh, over 45,000 for the Barcelona and Porto games. And, you know, it's a, a decent atmosphere at those matches, too. And they competed really well in both. um Obviously, it's all qualification is on the line now for them after winning against Barcelona. And they're playing an Antwerp team who. You know, they've been a a bit of a disaster, really. Four defeats from four, conceding 14 goals. Um, The worst group stage record so far. Um, Bit of a shambles in the second half, where they just seem to fall out of games completely. Uh, 10 of their 14 goals conceded have come after the interval. Their goalkeeper ranks as the the worst in the competition for goals conceded versus XG on target. Um, They've leaked at least twice.
0: uh, His brain melted in the second half of that game against Shakhtar. It was dreadful. Like one of the mistakes was beyond belief. I think the yeah. ball was going out, and he kept
1: it in. And then he <laughs> it straight to chapter. Yeah, it's, it's been comical. And you, you feel for them a little bit, but uh, they've conceded twice in all of their matches. They've conceded three goals or more in three of the four, and they've lost by two-goal margin on three occasions as well. So my, my initial approach here was to actually back goals at overs, which was 192, which feels like a really attractive price considering both sides... Have, very much kind of goals in them and uh there's plenty to reason well enough to play for here, but I'm gonna sort of alter that approach and actually back Shakhtar to win and over one and a half goals, which comes in at six to four, which I think is a really nice boost. Um I expect Shakhtar to score a couple of goals here. Um, but I do think both teams can contribute. The alternative I have here at seven to two is actually to back uh Sudakov to to have an assist in this game. Uh, I thought he was really impressive against Italy for Ukraine. Yeah. Um, recently and he has been very good in this competition too and if you look at the metrics he has created more chances and broken the opposition defensive line with a pass more often than any of his sort of Shakhtar teammates he's also completed twice as many passes in the final third as his teammates and he operates just behind the striker in a a 4-2-3-1 so hasn't yet provided an assist in this competition but uh, if Shakhtar are going to score two or three goals he should be they're in amongst it. So um, yeah, seven to two for an assist for Sudakov. He's a really good young
0: player. Alex, you wanted to take a look at group D, the group with uh, Real Sociedad, Inter, Benfica and Salzburg in it, because that's still wide open, isn't it? Some interesting games in there.
2: Well, it's it's open the fact that it's one of the only two th- for the Europa Oh no, League it's the spot. complete opposite, yes, isn't yes, it? They're yes. both
0: qualified. That's Just, what I yes,
2: that's it, what I meant. It's, I'm it's having one a breakdown. Of the... <clears throat> It's OK, OK, we'll pick it up for you. It's only one of it's <laughs> one of the two groups where we already know who's through. There is still Europa yes. League to play for. Uh, the other group is Group G, which is Man City and Leipzig. Uh, but the difference this match day is that those those two are playing each other. So in Group B, we've got Sociedad and Inter on 10 points, Salzburg on three, and Benfica on zero. So those two can obviously not catch the, the top two. But Salzburg have got the tricky task here. They're travelling to Sociedad, Benfica at home to Inter Milan. And so... With those two still able to qualify for the Europa League by finishing third, they've almost got much more to play for at this stage than the top two. You know, I don't think we'll see eleven changes by Solskjaer and Inter or anything like that. But if there's any slight risks or even things that managers maybe want to try, knowing there's no jeopardy on the line, this match day it might just give us a bit of a chance to profit from from the difference that that could make. You know, compared to if if the better sides actually needed to win here. So. You can back um, Benfica and Salzburg to both avoid defeat. That's a 13-5 to 5 double. Um, but I also like the small stakes play on both sides winning to keep the Europa League dream alive. That's 12-1 to 1 on the Betfair Sportsbook. Now, I acknowledge that this isn't caked in science, and Sociedad in particular are really strong at home. You know, just one defeat in all competitions, hence Salzburg's price of 9-2. to 2. But I just think we may be helped by taking all the factors into this. And um, at small stakes, I think it could be a fun way to... To take a look at group D.
0: Didn't you say this isn't caked in science?
2: Yeah, is that a phrase we we use? A wonderful <laughs>
0: phrase.
2: I don't think anybody in the
0: history of man has ever said that before, but I'm gonna I think, I'm going think start Albert using Einstein it. coined that one. This yes, is caked that in is an Einstein classic. This is caked in yeah. science. Yeah, E equals M C squared, and this is caked in science. Yeah, great lovely stuff by the way uh that earlier is the kind of moment that marco Hare lives for when i have a complete meltdown uh for no apparent <laughs> reason so i could see him just chuckling away in the background there uh that's sadly all we have time for on this champions league edition of football only better please do remember to gamble responsibly our usual weekend previews will appear later in the week. Of course, remember all of our shows on Betfair's new YouTube channel for non-racing content. So make sure you like and subscribe. From Alex, from Stinch, from Mark and from me, it's goodbye for now.